I mean, we were created to be in community. We're not created to be in isolation because isolation is the enemy to excellence. You're listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience, a podcast dedicated to helping executives train their sales and marketing teams to optimize growth. Whether you're looking for techniques and strategies or tools and resources, you've come to the right place. Let's accelerate your growth in three, two, one. Welcome everyone to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. I'm your host, Chad Sanderson. Today we're talking about how to live a life of success and perhaps more importantly, significance. What does that mean to everyone that's out there? What does it mean to live a life of significance? And today when we all look around in the world, it's a little mm, unpredictable to say the least and norms are changing. It's difficult at times to stay focused and engaged in realizing the best version of ourselves. So to help us, we have with us Aaron Walker, founder of View From The Top and Iron Sharpens Iron Mastermind Group. also creator of the Mastermind Playbook, who is a successful and often sought after business coach, life advisor, and trusted advisor to businesses. Aaron, thank you so much for taking time and welcome to the show. Hey, Chad. Thanks for having me on today. Uh, I got to say, you probably have, of the guests I've talked to in the last three months, you have the best voice. It's pretty Southern, so don't go making any wise comments about my Southern draw. <laughs> so before we get into the topic of the day, we'd like to start with just a question so people get to know you a little bit better. And curious, you know, we've all been spending more time at home. And you probably like me, were, before this, we're traveling all of the time, but we could spend a lot more time at home. And I'm curious to know if there's been something that this ex- extra time at home has allowed you to re-engage with or connect with, a hobby, a passion, a pastime? What might that be? And what is it that you find so rejuvenating? Well, that's a great question. You know, I've got everything, all my honeydews uh, completed <laughs> around the house. My yard looks better now than it's ever looked. And uh, the house is spotless. And I said, I'm a little nervous. If we don't get back out in public pretty soon, I'm going to be remodeling the house. And so <laughs> it really allowed me to slow down just a little bit because I'm a you know, pedal to the metal kind of guy. I'm going constantly and we're, we were at ball games and, you know, cheerleading uh, activities for our grandkids. And, and this allowed me to kind of pause just for a moment and kind of reevaluate the things that I'm doing. And quite honestly, as we get out and about now, there's some things that I'm not going to re-engage in to the level that I was because I found that I was a little busier than I needed to be. So yeah, gotten a lot of things caught up that needed my attention. Yeah, it's a great opportunity for clarity and and realigning with what is important in life. And so with that kind of as a backdrop, help us understand when we when people say, you know, I want to live a life of success and significance, that can manifest itself in a lot of different visions, depending sure. on the individual that you're talking to. But from your perspective, I'm curious, the, the foundational approach, what does it mean when you say live a life of success and significance? Well, let me go back and tell you a little story and how I even got to this point. So 18 years old, I started my first business. And at 27, I was able to retire. I sold out to a fortune 500. And then I got fat and lazy. My wife said, Hey, you got to go start another company or go to work for somebody. And I did and uh, bought another company. And we spent the next 10 years building it about four times the size it was. So when I was 40 years old, I was headed to the office on a Wednesday morning. It was August 1st, 2001, almost 20 years ago. And I ran over and killed a pedestrian on my way to the office, Chad. And it really rocked my world. 
And I don't know if you've ever been in a real traumatic experience or not, but things slow down like in slow motion. And it's like, I can't believe this is happening. My life is so good. You know, I'm building this company, got great wife, two beautiful children, live in a beautiful house. We have a vacation home. I mean, all this stuff was so good. And I'm like, bam, this came out of nowhere. I mean, this was a left hook and I never saw it coming. And so it really slowed me down and it really made me think about things. And I won't take you through all the details around that, but I couldn't handle the stress. I sold the company and it was tough working through that needless to say. I mean, you don't kill somebody in an automobile accident and just get over it. I mean, you've got to really work through it. So God kind of gave me the grace to deal with that over the next five years. I didn't work for five years. And during that time, I started thinking about that. And I thought, what's important in my life? And what if it had been me that day? Like, what if I had gotten killed that day? And I started thinking about that and it kind of wigged me out a little bit. I was like, oh my gosh. And I started thinking about what my legacy would have been. And my legacy would have been up until that point, poor kid from Nashville, Tennessee, makes enough money to retire at age 27 and nobody cares. Right. And I started thinking, that's not what I want my legacy to be. I want my life to reflect on others and to help them and to be an encourager and edify. I want Chad's life to be better as a result of having known me. That's what I wanted my legacy to be. And I thought, it's not that up until this point. What I had done was had an immeasurable amount of success financially. But the component that was missing was the significance piece. Like, you know, it was all about another business, another home, faster car, all these things. And I don't want to lead people down a path to those things are not important. They are, right? I love to make money and I love to grow businesses and all those kind of things. But why not simultaneously figure out how we can be significant in the lives of other people so that when we do pass away, our legacy is something other than just they were a successful person. I think that's an amazingly important point, especially, I mean, any day it would be, but especially now with what's going on in the world, the impact that we have on others, you know, it's like, I always joke when, when I slide into the end, I don't want to think about, you know, Hey, how successful was my business? I'm not going to think about, you know, how many motorcycles did I have? I'm going to think about the stories, the people, the impacts, the, the things where we shared those truly raw moments and, and had a connection. Now there's a word that you, I've heard you use intentionally, right? Intentionally having significance. And that's uh, to me, sounds like a mindset and a focus. Most of us, you know, can get to a point where we just kind of go through life, right? Like we just, we're, we're doing what we think we're doing kind of like you're doing pre pre event that you explained to us. So how do you do it with more intention? And then is there a way to know that it's working, that you're actually being successful with it? Yeah, I started thinking through that and even wrote a little list out of things in my life that I considered successful. I started thinking about the amount of money you make, the place you live, you know, the differences that you're making in your personal individual family. And I started thinking about success. You know, I started thinking about, quite honestly, most success, you're focused on yourself. And significance, you're really focused on others. And so I started thinking about how I could deliver a significant life to other people like my wife. And we just celebrated our 40th wedding anniversary. And oh, I have, congratulations. That's thank impressive. You. Thank you. I have two children, 37 and 35, and then we have five grandchildren. And I started thinking, 
what is the legacy going to be with my wife and with my children and with my grandchildren? And how can I be significant in their life? And how can I really focus on the things that are moving the needle for other people? Not necessarily for my benefit or for my greater gain, but for theirs. And since I've been able to do this over the past 20 years, what's happened that I didn't really see coming is that we're twice or three times more successful financially, but I'm having a huge impact significantly in the lives of the team members that work for me or people that go to our church or people in our community or people that are in our mastermind groups. I'm really focused on edifying, encouraging, and lifting them up and helping make connections for them. And I'm a big connector. I'm constantly making connections for people saying, Hey, Chad, you need to meet Billy over here because he can help you with this problem. Or Susie, you need to meet Sally. And here's why, because they can help you with that resource that you're needing. And then they get it and they go, Oh my gosh, this is exactly what I needed. Well, when you bring the light all the time, when you're helping people all the time, when you're the encourager and you're the edifier, people want to be around you. Well, as a result of them wanting to be around you, now they want to feel that natural reciprocity of, hey, I want to help. Who can I connect Big A to? How can I help encourage you and edify you? And then all of a sudden, there's a lot more business going on as a result of this edification process and this being a giver and not a taker. And it's just a mindset, Chad, of how we need to look at life. Because when I started thinking about it prior to the automobile accident, it was all about another business, you know, another $50,000, a bigger vacation home and more cars and more things. And it was like, I was so self-consumed that I didn't have time to be the giver. I was always the taker. And this it, unfortunately, it took an automobile accident for me to really realize that. And that's why I've gone on a quest today, trying to help other people tell you, take this COVID thing right now and slow down enough yeah. to really think about what you want in life and how you can be that encourager and that edifier and lifting other people up, being that giver. And you'll enjoy your life far greater than you would just focusing on yourself. Yeah, I, I can't agree more. Uh, I've, I've learned, I learned that lesson the hard way 20, 15, 20 years ago as well. Not, I don't think as traumatic a way as, as, as you did, but there is a, there is a sense of depth of relationship that comes from that purity of connection and clarity of giving, of helping others. It's not, it's not easy for everybody. It's not always easy, but it is, there is a, a purity. That's the only word I can think of with the relationships I have with individuals where over the course of my career, or even as friends, we've had those types of relationships. Where I'm like, Hey, how can I be of service? And, and you know, we have a conversation, they have a problem. Hey, I happen to know somebody or I have a skill set that will help you solve that. And it's not at any point am I talking about financial reciprocity. We're just, Hey, I want to help. Sure. And there's a, there's a joy that, that comes from that. But I also find that a lot of people have to be uh, in the right mindset. They have to be kind of grounded in order to truly give without expectation of return. Is that a fair kind of summary Absolutely. of mindset? And if you do it for a return, they're going to sniff that out a mile yeah. away. I mean, <laughs> it can't be for selfish motivations. It's got to be coming genuinely from your heart. It's got to be where you're really interested in the well-being of those peers and colleagues and family members that are around you because it doesn't take uh, a bomb scientist to figure out if you're doing something, you know, for personal gain or edification or motivation. So yeah, great point. 
And so, okay. So with that context, now let's talk about mastermind groups, you know, for our audience, what are they? What's the purpose? Where do they come from? Help us understand that a little bit more. Yeah. We can simplify it by saying that it's your own non-biased board of directors. And many times people will say, Hey, it's where this one mind and a collective other mind and you, I'm like, okay, let's just keep it simple. What is it? These are people that care about you that meet with you on a weekly basis that want you to have your best interest at heart that hold you accountable, that give you feedback and encouragement and advice. Years ago, I was at the curb center here in Nashville going to a concert and a friend of mine's Dave Ramsey, Dave and I've been friends almost 30 years now. I was his second sponsor on his radio show when he started, he was on one radio station here in Nashville <laughs> and he enlisted me to be one of his sponsors. And I did, and I spent 21 consecutive years sponsoring his show. And he invited me to join his mastermind group. And I'm like, I don't even know what a mastermind group is. And this is decades ago. And he said, just come to my office, you know, Wednesday morning, seven o'clock, I'll show you the guys that uh, introduce you to the guys that I've invited to be in the mastermind group. And I think you'll enjoy it. Well, I didn't want to go just to be honest with you because <laughs> Dave is such a hard charger and he is like all about authenticity and accountability and holding you accountable to what you say. And I knew him for years and I knew what his reputation was about that, but I said, I'll go. So I did and fell in love with it. And the reason I fell in love with it is because nobody in that group had a dog in the hunt. Nobody there had any business correlation with me outside of Dave. Dave and I had done business together. But outside of that, these people were non-biased. And people that are non-biased will tell you the truth because they don't have anything to gain or lose as a result of what they tell you. And so I would start going and uh, I was very timid at first about sharing because I didn't know about the confidentiality and I didn't know if they would laugh at me because I didn't know the answer to this. But the more I got in there, the more I found out they didn't know any more than I did about certain <laughs> things. And I'm like, Hey, it gave me permission to be able to let that facade down, let my guard down and be transparent and vulnerable in front of 10 guys that could really move the needle in my life. So we spent the next dozen years meeting every Wednesday morning for an hour and a half in this mastermind group. And when I retired 10 years ago, when I turned 50 for the third time, my wife said I've retired more than the law allows, but I retired <laughs> for the third time. And Dave and Dan Miller, Dan Miller has 48 days to the work you love. And Dan was a member in the group. And they said, what are you going to do now? And I said, nothing. <laughs> I'm going to move to the Caribbean and I'm going to hang out in one of those little tiki huts down there and I'm not going to do anything. And Dan Miller looked at me and he said, that's the most selfish thing I've ever heard you say in my entire life. And I said, what do you mean? I've been working since I was eight years old. And he said, well, what you're saying is I got enough for me. Good luck to the rest of you. You're 50 years old. You're going to ride off into the sunset. And I said, that's not what I mean. And he said, no, you need to coach. And I said, I'm not coaching anybody. I'm, I'm like, I'm tired. And they said, no, you need to coach. So I went to Entree Leadership Mastery and I went out to the sanctuary with Dan Miller and did Innovate. And I'll be honest, Chad, I fell in love with the coaching practice. And I started coaching a couple of guys and quickly found out that I couldn't scale coaching. And so I started <laughs> doing podcast interviews, promoting our business, and it just blew up. 
And so here we are today with 19 mastermind groups. We're in nine different countries and people are coming to us saying, Hey, I want my life to be better. I want to have this accountability. I want to be able to move the needle. I want people asking me the tough questions. And so now we meet virtually 10 people in a group and we are taking people's lives to the next level. So it simply is this, it's those board of directors that care about you, that can help you, that can encourage you, can hold you accountable, give you resources and take your life to the next level. And we're just having immense success with these groups. And so is, is this your version of the mastermind approach or is this one that is, is it tied to something that you said? No, we created it. No, no, no. We created everything that we've got. And that's where the mastermind playbook came in. People started calling me from around the world that were thought leaders and they were saying, Nobody has ever scaled mastermind groups. How are you scaling mastermind groups? And I said, well, it's a process. We've developed the systems and the processes. We've developed a mission, vision, and values. And everything that we do has a rhyme or a reason. And they said, would you coach me? And I said, no, I don't want to coach you to do that because it would take too much time. (laughs) And they said, no, we really want you to coach us. And so I just threw out a number to run them off. And they said, where do we send the money? (laughs) So I did that a number of times. And then my daughter is the COO of our company. And she walked in my office one day and she said, dad, there's great value in masterminds. I mean, we were created to be in community. We're not created to be in isolation because isolation is the enemy to excellence. And if we really want to take our lives to the next level, we've got to get people around us. And you've done that masterfully. Why don't you create a playbook? Why don't you train and teach other people to do what you've done? And so I put her off for several weeks. I said, I don't want to do that. It's going to take a lot of work to do that. So anyway, she talked me into it. So I went and hired a product developer. Uh, We hired copywriters and videographers, and we got our whole team together, and we started going through step by one, step by two, We all the way through the process, A to Z, everything about mastermind groups. Even if you've never heard of a mastermind, you could take this playbook, and it really helps you scale what you're trying to do, because no offense to anyone, you don't be offended by what I'm about to say, but because I'm a coach too, I coach people, but coaching is not a business. Coaching is a job. You've got a high paying job. And one day you're going to turn the light out and you're going to lock the door and you're going to walk away and there's going to be no asset there to sell. And you're going to have exchanged your time for a great amount of money, but there's, it's not a business. Right. And so I said, uh, I don't want to do that. I want to build something because I've built 14 businesses and I've always had an asset there to sell. And I said, I don't want to just walk away, turn out the light one day and there's nothing here to sell. So we started doing the mastermind groups. Well, today I can leave and go on vacation, which I just got back from a two week vacation celebrating our 40th anniversary. We had new applicants and I had more money than when I left because the groups never missed a beat. I teach you how to enlist facilitators so that you can do revenue share with them. And then you can go away and you've set the framework up, the themes, the books, the questions, the way you run the meetings. And it's more like a franchise. And these people are absolutely sold out. We've had people meeting five and six years in the same group. And so now we've got recurring revenue that's very predictable that you can build a business around. And now we're scaling that and we're about to launch our second division with 15 more groups in that division. And I've just created the framework and that's why we created the mastermind playbook to help other people that are podcast hosts and coaches and thought leaders say, Hey, I could have two or three groups 
and I could generate sixty to three hundred thousand dollars a year with a minimal amount of involvement weekly from myself. So a lot of people, you know, we've developed a seven figure business and it's a primary focus and other people are starting to do that as well. And so when you think about these groups, let's say, let's say somebody wants to start one of these, are these groups that get together, give, give us a little bit more detail. Are they groups sure. that get together once a month, once a week? Yeah, this how, is, what yeah. do they tackle? You can tailor, that's a great question. You can tailor this ever how you want. We've scheduled it and set it up to meet weekly because Chad, I don't know about you, but a lot of life happens in a month. I mean, <laughs> if I go a month without talking to a trusted advisor, I've probably already solved the problem and I've moved on to the next thing. And the way technology, is today, it uh, disallows us for putting off things too long. So we've got to deal with it pretty much immediately. So for 21 years, every week, I've been in a weekly mastermind group. And I attribute the vast amount of my success to this group. Because isolation, as I said earlier, is our enemy. And if we really want to be the best, we need other perspectives. You can't think of things, but one way. And when you get other perspectives around you, it's like, I didn't even know to know that. I didn't even know you could do it that way, or I didn't even know you could see it that way. Jeff Hoffman, the guy that started Priceline, I saw him at a conference, and he was talking about being in masterminds and the value of it. He was talking about reading things that don't have any relevancy whatsoever to the things that you're interested in. And I said, the reason is because it gives you a different perspective. Absolutely right. 100% that there's so many opportunities out there before us, but we don't even know they exist without this level of involvement and perspective from other people. So for me, I can't get enough of it. I'm actually in seven groups a week, every week, and have been now for six years. And so and then I'm involved in another group outside of that. I just joined another group personally that's going to help me with JV deals. And so it's a specific mastermind. But the ones that we have are personal, professional, and spiritual in nature. I want to cover every area of your life. Because for me, I came home with a pocket full of money to a house full of strangers years ago. And I'm like, yeah, I may have a lot of money, but I don't even know my kids like I should. Right. And there's so many people today that are doing that. I want to hold people accountable for really investing in their family. I'm Christian by faith. And so I think God has really given us a family that is our first priority. But most of the times we alter them, we offer them at the altar of money. It's like, I need to make more money. I need to make more money. And then you come home one day and you don't know your kids. Somebody else is taking them to the ballpark and piano recitals. And you're missing these things. You're traveling all over the world. And you don't even know your kids. Listen, you only get one go through with those kids. I can yeah. start more businesses. I can make more money. I can start other companies. It doesn't have a memory. Your kids do. And I want to be sure that you're not going to miss that because when they get their driver's license, for all practical purposes, they're gone. We have 16 short years to really breathe into those kids. Now my kids are 37 and 35, and we have great relationships. We work together. But if I hadn't invested the time, they would have went on their merry way, and I wouldn't have had the relationship that I've been able to foster today because of it. That's what these mastermind groups do. They hold your feet to the fire and they help you really understand what's important in life. And I think that's an invaluable asset. I mean, people have to be willing to be receptive, right? If people are going to be completely unbiased. And well, you tell have you to subject that, yourself to the scrutiny of someone else. Yeah. 
And if and you're not willing to do that, then you're going to go off on a tangent. And I look at masterminds like guardrails. They keep me in the center of the road. And when I swerve one way or the other, if they don't know me well, they can't hold me accountable. They don't know the way I do life. They don't know the way I think. They don't know what's important to me. So who are you asking advice from if you're not in a group every single week with people that you trust that are non-biased? And I'm just telling you, man, it opens so many doors. Procrastination is our biggest enemy. And we do things like Brian Moran's 12-week year. Every single day we're doing these tasks to accomplish our goal. And I do exercises to help people really get clarity and really help understand what is it that you even want? I wrote a document years ago called, What Do I Want? Most people, Chad, don't even know what they want in life. They just want bigger, better, shinier, faster. And then when they catch it, it's like the dog that caught the car and now doesn't know what to do with it. They don't, <laughs> even, they don't even know why they want it. A lot of people say, I want to make $500,000 a year. What would you do with $500,000 a year if you had it? And how healthy would that be for you? I'm not saying you shouldn't. I like to make a lot of money too. I don't want money to be the only motivator though. I don't want money to be my God. I want money to be a tool that I'm using to live the life that I've designed. And we help people in these mastermind groups really define what it is that you even want in your life. I ask this question all the time. If geographically speaking and financially speaking, there were no limitations, what would you do tomorrow? Nine out of 10 people can't answer that question. Because we don't slow down long enough to think about, we only get one go through. We don't, this is not a trial run. This is our real life. We're living it. We don't get another opportunity to live here, carnally speaking, on earth again. I want to live it to the maximum. I want to live it the best way I can. I want to maximize everything I do. But if you don't give time to think about how you want to live your life, you'll get to the end. You've lived it reactively and not proactively, and you have huge regrets. And I'll just be honest. I don't want to lay on that bed when I'm about to die and go, I have a lot of regrets. Yeah. I don't want to do that. I know your audience doesn't either. Yeah, I 100%. I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. All right. So let's change direction here a little bit. We ask all of our guests two standard questions at the end of each interview. The first is simply as a revenue executive, as a business owner, that makes you a prospect for other salespeople who are who think they have something that may be able to help you. I'm always curious to understand when somebody doesn't have a trusted referral into you, what works for you when somebody's trying to capture your attention and earn the right to some time on your calendar? Yeah, you know, when I read these templates, these emails that are just standard, you know, everything that's customized and personalized to me individually, I'll read it. But when it's just a template and it's for the masses, I hit delete. The other thing, if they want something from me, I got Seth Godin to um, endorse my book and people go, how did you get him to do that? Well, I ask, well, how did you ask? And I've even sent it to a few people. He's busy, right? That guy's busy. He don't have right. time to read a dissertation. You know, you send me a biography and I'm like, I don't have time to read this. So I said, Seth, you're the best. I love everything you do. These are the bullet points. I have five bullet points. And at the end, if you can help me, I'd appreciate it. And here's the big thing. If you say no, totally acceptable. I'm giving you permission to say no. Well, now he wants to do it even more because I've given him permission to right. say no. It's a summary. <laughs> it's very, I can read it in 15 seconds. And so to get an end to me, customize it, make it personal, make it short. I'm interested. Excellent. All right. Last question. We call it our acceleration insight. If there's one thing you could tell professional people, one piece of advice you could give them that you believe would help them hit their targets or uh, exceed them, what would it be and why? I'm a very consistent person. 
and I've got a lot of grit, determination, and perseverance. Most people don't have the wherewithal to stay with something long enough to build up a consensus or to build up a critical mass. And so for me, I really focus on doing it exactly the way I said I was going to do it consistently every single day, same way with podcast interviews or marketing strategies that I do, but people get fatigued too fast. And I would just say, you need to stay with it a bit longer. Awesome. Awesome. Aaron, if listeners interested in talking more about these topics or learning more about mastermind and what you're doing, where would you ideally like us to send them? Yeah, go to viewfromthetop.com and I'm easy to find. If you want to start your own mastermind group and you're really interested in that program, themastermindplaybook.com. Excellent. All right. I can't thank you enough for taking time to be on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks a lot, Chad. I enjoyed it, buddy. All right, everybody that does it for this episode, you know the drill, b2brevexec.com. Share it with friends, family, coworkers. If you like what you hear, leave us a review on iTunes. And until next time, we at Value Selling Associates wish you all nothing but the greatest success. You've been listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.